This is District Sentinel Radio broadcasting out of the Barefoot is Legal studio in Washington, D.C. I am Sam Sachs. I'm Sam Knight. Check out the website, districtsentinel.com. Today, we're talking about the scandal in Virginia featuring the governor, Ralph Northam, appearing in blackface in a high school yearbook picture and not resigning over it. We had one of the all-time great uh, politician news conferences last week over this issue. And we're joined by Justin McCarthy, a Virginia native who now lives and works in Washington, D.C. and is involved in a number of progressive campaigns across the district. Justin grew up in the far southwest part of the state near Roanoke, Virginia. And Justin, when the Northam scandal broke, you slid into my DMs dying to come on the show to talk about this. Uh, It's now been a few days that this is going on. First off, welcome to the show. And second, are you surprised that Northam hasn't resigned yet? Well, thanks for having me on today. Um, yeah, I think when we when we first saw it, I think all of us, our initial reaction was, well, you know, like, this guy's got to go. You know, we saw his statements coming from all the 2020 hopefuls on Twitter. You know, I condemn this terrible act and Northam must resign. And we all just thought this is going to be a matter of time. Uh, but, you know, it's become increasingly evident that he thinks, you know, I, I can't do this. And, um, I, yeah, frankly, I am a little surprised. I still think it's probably a matter of time. Um, but, you know... I think, you know, having grown up in far southwest Virginia, I was born in Arlington, Virginia, but, uh, you know, the parents packed up the caravan and we moved to Craig County, Virginia, when I was about six years old. You know, I, I, I think the act in and of itself is a little bit less surprising. You know, certainly I would say it's, it's um, you know, it's, it's surprising in the, in the fact that it, it hasn't been thoroughly vetted. You know, the, <laughs> the, the RNC in Virginia, I think, you know, uh, should be convicted of political malpractice for not being able to find this. You could say the same of the Periello campaign. But uh, the fact that, so I am a little surprised that we haven't found it before now, but the fact that it actually happened is is not that surprising to me. Um, you know, having grown up in in uh, sort of the other part of the state, you know, I'm, I'm very fond of saying, you know, there are sort of two Virginias. You know, on one side you have Nova and Richmond and Hampton Roads, et cetera, et cetera. And, you know, where I grew up in Craig County, that's the other part of Virginia. You know, the population is 5,000. We didn't have a stoplight in the entire county. It was the last county in the state to get a public library. It was something my mom had to fight really hard for. Um, and, you know, like, there are definitely stories that I remember growing up that make it far less surprising than I think a lot of a lot of people might suggest. Um, you know, one instance I remember very vividly when I grew up was living there, was in grade school. I remember an interracial couple had just recently been engaged maybe 30, 40 minutes down the road. Um, and a cross was burned in the yard. And, you know, that was obviously a very big local story, and it was totally unacceptable. Um, you know, I also Jesus. remember there were always rumors and people sort of joking that, you know, the local sheriff, B.B. Um, McPherson, was head of the KKK chapter. You know, like, people used to joke about that in common conversation. You know, now, you know, whether or not that was actually true or not, I don't know. But, you know, I think the narrative in it itself is pretty troubling. Um, so, you know, I, I would say, yeah, I'm, I'm surprised he hasn't resigned. I'm less surprised that, um, you know, that these things are still happening. People say today, you know, well, I can't believe in the 21st century we're still having these scandals. And, you know, um, that I think is is much less surprising. You said at, at the beginning that it's just, I think you said it's just a matter of time anticipating that he probably will resign. What do you think is the 
factor that will lead to that. I mean, he doesn't have that much support. There's been a few dipshits who've come out in support of him, but the vast majority of people in the Virginia Democratic Party and National Democratic Party have come out uh, against him, asking for him to resign. Of course, there's a bunch of Republicans who are asking him to resign. What, what is going to make the difference to him where he finally does resign? It's a good question. I think, you know, if we judge him based on his press conference, you know, he said, well, if I lose the ability to govern and yeah, govern effectively. And, you know, I think this broke on a Friday evening. And so we, they had the weekend and, you know, the state legislature was gone. And I think um, if that is indeed the case, then I think we'll probably find out sometime this week. We'll we see the announcement, you know, because when when the state legislature gets back in town, you know, they're going to start, if he hasn't resigned yet, they're going to start doing all kinds of crazy things. You know, they control the purse strings, you know, you, you can have all kinds of crazy bills, you know, they could, you know, everything from like, Oh, like let's name a holiday app in, you know, in, in desecration of Ralph Northam to, you know, like kicking him out of the governor's mansion to, you know, like, you know, you could see like literally there's a ton of things that the legislature could do to kind of screw with him. You know, they could end up, you know, like, well, you know, the, the administration needs to do 100 reports every day, a report for every everything happening in every sub sub level office, you know, and, you know, like, I mean, unless Northland starts getting on Indeed.com and posting and trying to staff up, you know, like then, you know, there's you could see a situation where they just try and like, you know, it's like getting Al Capone on tax fraud, you know, it's just like, OK, well, you know, like, let's impeach him for, you know, he didn't send up report number PQ59, you know, like there's a whole number of things. And I think so I think, you know, to your point. It's just a matter of time, and you know, at that time, I think it's going to be sometime this week. Um, but he seems pretty dug in. You know, that press conference was one for the ages. I mean, it was almost surreal. I mean, <laughs> at times he was almost invoking the Brad Kavanaugh defense. People were asking, "Well, is it possible that you know you were at a party and you he weren't drinking? You were drinking." Remember, and he said, "Well, you know, I like to drink. I like beer, but you know, I never drank to the point where I couldn't remember." And I was just like. <laughs> Here we are, you know. <laughs> like, <laughs> well, okay. The the I we have not talked about the press conference on our show yet, and I feel like there there are just certain things that I have to mention because I turned it on, uh, just sort of not really knowing what to expect that maybe he would try to play it safe and just say something quickly and get out of there. But whoa, boy, I mean, everything from denying he was in the photo to but then admitting to a separate blackface incident where he dressed up like Michael Jackson and he seemed to acknowledge that he couldn't use much shoe polish because it's hard to get off as though he had already done that before yeah. yes and, and also and and also he uh said he did he, first he did not he he did a non-denial denial where he said, no, I, I didn't do blackface when I dressed up as Michael Jackson. I just took a little shoe polish and only a little bit because, boy, that stuff is really hard to get off. <laughs> and he denied being in the photo, the 1984 yearbook photo, but also admitted to doing it the same year. And then also said he wanted to use facial recognition to prove he wasn't the guy in blackface. But also there was another guy wearing a KKK hood who you can't use to prove uh, – you can't use facial recognition to prove you're not the guy in the KKK hood. So just fucking resign, dude. Are you serious? 
Yeah, it's 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 truly incredible. Um, you know, and then then there was that situation where you know the they moonwalk. Asked him, Can you still moonwalk? And yes. He started looking around like, is there space? And, <laughs> you know, his, his wife was like, "Honey, this is a bad idea." And he was like, but "You're right." It was I mean, he, it was a Michael Scott moment. Yeah. He was he was Michael Governor Michael Scott from the office. In all seriousness, though, could he have pulled off a moonwalk that ended the scandal? <laughs> He was thinking that. He, he definitely I can, thought I that. I can win him back. I can win him back. <laughs> so what are, what are on a serious note, what are some of the things that the uh, Senate can and should do if he doesn't, like, take the hint that he needs to go? Beyond, beyond letting all Virginia students off school on Ralph Northam Blackface Day. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's an interesting question, right? Because, you know... It, First of all, I mean, impeachment is always like a little bit of untested grounds. And number two, I mean, um, you know, it's unclear whether they're actually, you know, legal grounds for this. Right. I mean, it wasn't technically against the law and it certainly didn't happen when he was in office. So, you know, as I said, I think it's just um, it's going to come down to whether or not, you know, I mean, it's I think he's going to have to go. It's just it's going to have to be on his own time right now, because you know, it looks like he just he feels like. The only chance that he has, you know, he sees it as his ability to prove to the public that he's not a racist is inherently tied to, to staying in office. And, you know, I, it's just it's it's it's, you know, what happens in these people's minds, these politicians minds where they think I can do this is um, is, is, is frankly puzzling. But, you know, one other interesting uh, I think part I thought, if I'm sorry, I, I, I think part of it. Maybe because the unique uh, situation with uh, Virginia's governorship where he only he's he's term limited for one term. He doesn't have to win an election again. I, I, I'm assuming that if he had to win an election again to stay in office, that he might just hit the road immediately because that's that seems to be a pretty uphill battle at this point. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, you know, it's interesting, you know, you know, I. It, it's you know, and as I said, it's it's almost shocking to me that um, you know the the Republican gubernatorial campaign didn't didn't find this you know, and you know half of me wonders maybe they did, but they're like oh well they'll just take our base. You well, know? the <laughs> quite frankly, the Periello campaign should have found this, and yeah. Eastern Virginia Medical School canceled its yearbook in 2013 because it basically it, it sounds like it was basically like a blackface journal. It was like a, a, a diary, a dear diary for racism. And they were just like, we got to cancel this because, first of all, me medical schools doing, doing yearbooks. I thought yearbooks stopped after high school, but also, yeah. like it's basically they, they, what Georgetown Prep was to, <laughs> like, disgusting sexism and rape culture as right. it was to racism. I mean, the administration, the school administration had to step in and cancel the, the racism journal. And if we could just point out, Northam said, "Oh, well, there are other photos of people in blackface in the uh, in the yearbook." And I was like, "What is happening at Eastern Virginia oh. Medical School?" Oh, you know, that like sorry, that was another great part of the uh, press conference because Northam said there were there were other face painting incidents, and then a reporter said, "You mean blackface?" And he said, "Yes." <laughs> and then, but then you know, his defense sort of relies on, "Oh, well, you know this." This, this assuming, you know, this doctor, whoever it was who was in charge of, who's now a doctor, who was in charge of the um, of the yearbook, of putting together the yearbook, was just pasting photos in. And somehow they put this one on his page accidentally. And 
you know, he's like, well, there are plenty of other ones that were on there accidentally too. And I'm like, well, where are they? Right? Like you got to point these things out. You know, like I work in press during my day job and it's like, you know, like I don't just tell somebody, Oh yeah, here it is. Figure it out. You know, like if you're pretty, if it's pretty clear that she didn't do this, wouldn't you want to say, yeah, like my photo's on page seven and, and it's not here, you know, he's just like, yeah. And then, Oh, and then the, um, and then of course we have the VMI yearbook as well with that, uh, with that whole debacle as well. I mean, there's just so much going on here. Yeah, the the uh, the the racist nickname, which uh, I don't really want to repeat. Quite frankly, it's it's so gross. He's been in public service for a while, though. No, I mean uh, as as a politician, he was. Uh, yeah, he was lieutenant under uh, McAuliffe. He was a he was in the Virginia Senate. Like at some point, you would think he would have been like, "Oh, this thing from thirty years ago." I did. I'm sorry. It was awful. He he had ample opportunity yeah. to do that. He didn't do that. Yeah, and I, I guess I'm concerned about the broader implications of this and not to absolve the Democratic Party of having problems with racism, as this story uh, proves. But let's not forget that the Republican Party and the president uh, are now open, uh, making open allegiances with white supremacists in this country. And when you have a Democrat in office who won't resign over blatantly racist shit, yeah. that's going to make it a lot more difficult to combat the even more egregious and blatant racism that's coming from Republicans every single day. It's gross. Well, absolutely. And, you know, you had Kevin McCarthy, the, um, the, the now the uh, minority leader in the House. You know, he's, he's saying, oh, well, Northam needs to go. This is unacceptable. And, you know, like. But then you have on the other side, you know, he's campaigning and sending money to people like Steve King, you know, the racist piece of shit from Iowa. So, I mean, you're right. It absolutely it means that, um, you know, when progressives on the left uh, and just people in the center want to speak to these things, they lack the moral authority to do so. Yeah, maybe we're a little hard on Steve King. He did vote for the resolution against racism, and he also <laughs> he's also bringing diamond diamond and silk fame to the State of the Union as his guest. So, obviously, not a racist there. Well, yeah. uh, Justin, uh, if if you're listening to the show for the first time, uh, we're very irony poisoned. Yeah, yeah, uh, we are. Um, we, we, the putting aside the ridiculous press conference, we've also seen pretty ridiculous defenses of Northam. Uh, I don't want to spend too much talk, time talking about Zed Jelani's Quillette article uh, in defense of Ralph Northam, but I think... Zed pill? Yeah. You, want, think, you don't want to take the Zed pill? <laughs> no, I'm not, I'm not Zed pilling over here. But I think it's emblematic of a problem in which people are defending Northam based on his, I guess, progressive economic record, the fact that he's worked to raise the minimum wage in Virginia or the fact that he's worked to expand Medicaid. And those are all good things, but you can still be a racist and support raising the minimum wage and support expanding Medicaid and stuff if you're hoping that that benefits white people predominantly. But one thing that doesn't get mentioned in these Northam defenses is the blatantly racist stuff he did, like coming out against sanctuary cities in his election for no reason. There was no pressure on him to do that whatsoever. And also a lot of his kind of milk toast, equivocating responses to tearing down to Charlottesville and also tearing down Confederate monuments. I mean, those are all pretty big red flags to suggest this guy hasn't completely reformed his past racist behavior. Yeah. And, you know, one of the things I was when I was listening to that ridiculous press conference, you know, he said, well, I want to use this opportunity to try and confront 
um, you know, the, the racist past of Virginia. And, you know, I would have loved to have heard a question, you know, um, with, and it's interesting also because if Justin Fairfax does take over, then it does change some of the policy related to this. But, you know, with the ACP pipeline, the Atlantic Coast pipeline, I mean, the eminent domain they're using on that, I mean, it goes through predominantly low-income communities, the compressor station down in far south, south Virginia, south side Virginia, down by Martinsville and Danville. I mean, it's like 90% low-income black communities. And so, you know, I would have loved to heard a question, well, then, is that is that one of the things you're going to be reexamining? Um, because, you know, like, there are lots of things that, you know, to, to your point is well taken that he's done a lot to try and expand Medicaid, et cetera, et cetera. But, you know, he is by all accounts, still like a pretty moderate guy. And um, so, yeah, I, I do think it's also interesting the you know, the with the specter of Justin Fairfax taking over, what, what that looks like in terms of um, policy shifts, um, you know, because he has that chance to serve potentially seven or eight years because, um, you know, if he takes over, he'll be able to run again. I think that uh, some of the things that Nor- Northam is doing uh, that can be considered good, I quite frankly am not sure he really deserves praise for it. I mean, he's just, he's just following, he's going with the wind and he's a politician. It's pretty basic stuff too it's, for it's, it's Democrats pretty, it's, nowadays exactly, to support that. Exactly. It's pretty basic stuff and you can get your boilerplate Democrat in there who will basically agree with all this shit, uh, which by all accounts, Fairfax uh, is, is better than Northam. Although there are reports that uh, he uh, was alleged to have uh sexually assaulted a woman back in 2004 which uh is i guess i I don't know if you know anything about that justin or not i mean we could just save it for another podcast or uh yeah i think think, you know that's sort of still a developing story i mean the account is basically that they way before he was uh, when he was still in law school you know he he met this woman before he was married and they they went out and then they were kissing consensually and then she she alleges that he forced her to have oral sex and so um you know i think it's it's too soon to say certainly she has the right to have her story story told and you know but i you know, i don't i think it would be a little irresponsible to speculate on that right now yeah i've 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 read she's uh retained the counsel that christine blossy ford had in her uh uh whole affair there so um Definitely something worth we'll, keeping we'll an eye on, and, and the, the, it just adds to the clusterfuck situation in Virginia. It here. does, and the point is that uh, no Democrat is, uh, I mean, basically every politician is expendable, and uh, yeah. one shouldn't get uh, too attached to good things Northam has done, because he's also done a whole lot of shitty things, and on the balance, he's very shitty, and uh, he's got to go. Justin, any uh, final thoughts on the Northam matter? I think, as I said, you know, just more generally, you know, Virginia has become a blue state, but it's been a really rapid transition right over the last like 10 years. I mean, it went from being fairly comfortably red, like in the like, you know, late 90s, early 2000s till now. And so I think a lot of like people who are transplants, like particularly in the D.C. area, you know, kind of have a very different idea of sort of what the past, even just the recent past of Virginia is. And, you know, I think that it's just really important to make sure that that we're painting a more um, clear, holistic, and honest picture that, you know, cities, obviously, we have our own, like, D.C. has its own problems with racism, with gentrification, you know, broken windows, policing, and redlining, but, 
you know, places like Craig County, Pulaski County, those areas all the way down towards Bristol, they're all in the state of Virginia, but compared to, compared to uh, Northern Virginia, I mean, they could easily, just as easily be in a different world. Hmm. Um, and, you know, that goes just, I, I say that, but then, you know, you, we also had Delegate Bob, racist Delegate Bob, and Danica Rome finally threw him out of office, but that's still in the Northern Virginia area. The guy was the chief sponsor of the bathroom bill, like, wanted to ban gays from openly serving in the National Guard. I think he called it, what did he say, it was distraction when I'm in the battlefield to have to concentrate on the enemy 600 yards away while I'm worried about this guy who's got his eyes on me. I mean, so, you know, this is still an issue. You know, I think I think the most important thing, you know, is speaking out and not, um, you know, because especially in areas where this is still part of culture, you know, it's, it's speaking out and making sure that, um, that, you know, making racists scared again, right? It's, it's making sure that they don't feel comfortable being able to do so. Yeah. Well said, Justin, fellow resident of Piss Town, new friend of the show, Justin McCarthy, follow him on Twitter at jmac, J-A-Y-M-A-C 1893. Thanks for coming on the show. Absolutely. Anytime. And that's the show. For more content just like this, consider subscribing over at patreon.com slash district sentinel. Thanks to our sponsor, the Congressional Dish podcast hosted by Jen Briney. Find it at congressionaldish.com. District Sentinel Radio Live is tomorrow, Wednesday night at 8 p.m. Tune in. We're here in D.C. so that you don't have to be.